With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at shirts shove in that pocket protector this is the nerds guide to super bowl 57 kansas city chiefs versus the philadelphia eagles we already spent 45 minutes on the hard-nosed x's and o's the offensive line versus defensive line the wide receivers versus corners what matchups each team can utilize in order to win and ever since that show last week hayden winks has been in the lab with the algorithms his stupid proprietary models coming up with this show. So Hayden, how you feeling? We're in your zone. I'm out of my element, but we're going to get into the nitty and gritty, the, the ones and zeros, as the people like to say. Get you the man that can do both. You can do a little X's and O's and can get the regressions going up. Uh, basically, I have uh, my personal projections. We can, we'll compare it to the underdog fantasy pick them lobby. We'll talk about some other uh, bits. I know that everyone's looking for like longest catch and all that yep. stuff, MVP odds. So we'll tie this thing together. And I think the goal of this is I'll present the info and then you come out of here and smack me on the head whenever I'm wrong. Love to see it at the end. Hayden Winks and I will both build a underdog pick them slip with those pick them projections. And I do want to bring it before you even get started to all of you that have never played an underdog or maybe you have and you love the product as much as we do. We have a gift. A site-wide special that launches this Thursday ahead of time at 10 a.m. Eastern. Just a half total yard for Jalen's Hertz. Higher or lower? Hmm. Wonder which I like one. Like higher. It's a free square for all of you to help build your pick fours, your pick fives, and 20 extra money for the big game. Again, be on the lookout for that. It doesn't matter if you're a first-time depositor or a long-time depositor. You'll get this free square on the Pick'em Lobby. All right, Hayden. I know that I think in the last show, we started off with the Kansas City Chiefs offense. So why don't we start off here with the Philadelphia Eagles? Again, when you extract all the numbers from your plethora of Excel spreadsheets where they tell you what you be focusing on with the Eagles offense. So one of my angles, I think, for this game is just expecting more play volume and in particular, more pass volume from the Eagles just for this one simple reason. This year, they've averaged a plus nine point differential per game. This week, they're going to be a, what, a one-point favorite. So the games are going to be tighter. And this offense in particular really kind of changes up who's playing in, in neutral game scripts versus with a lead and just kind of how their offense could kind of orchestrate here. So like one, one bit, for example, here is their plays or their seconds per play when the game's within six points, that's a pretty close game. They run 25.6 uh, 
seconds per play. When they're up seven or more, it goes up to almost 28. That's from first to 26. So if these games are, if this game stays close, like I'm expecting it to, they're going to play with more speed. You see this offense play with hurry up. And then they also pass the ball in these situations a lot more. And then we'll get to some of the players that play in garbage time more like Boston Scott versus somebody like Miles Sanders, who's going to be in there in neutral situations. So the first thing I'm looking at is just, I think that the Jalen Hurts might drop back to pass three, four, five more times more per game, not because of the matchup reasons, just because this game is going to be tight and the Eagles have been stomping everybody all year. And I think the markets say that we shouldn't expect that at least. Really like that. And we'll get into some other things when who carries the ball in neutral situations when the game is close on the scoreboard. And those are the scenarios typically when the Eagles are up, which they have been this year by 10, 13, 18 points that you see a ton of people touch the football. But when it is close and they don't just have to run the football, then as you said, we're going to see plays. We're going to see tempo because the Eagles, once they get you in maybe a personnel grouping that they like the defense to be in, they can run a huge amount of things. You know, they can yep. run out of empty with just Jalen Hurts in the backfield, or they can condense it with AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, all these pieces closer to the formation and yep. run a whole bunch of things off of that. So I like that first point you just made. So in particular, Boston Scott, just to hit this, 73% of Boston Scott's touches have been with the game, the in-game winning percentage above 90 or below 10%, which is basically garbage time. Only 9% of his touches, this is over the entire year, have been in neutral situations. Boston Scott's kind of their closer. Now we'll get to it in a second. Sometimes they use him in, inside the red area, which is kind of kind of tricky because they use all these running backs in these situations. But uh, in the 16 games when all three of the running backs have been healthy, uh, Miles Sanders has led the backfield with 60 touches in the first quarter. Kenny Gainwell in the first quarter, only 14. Boston Scott, only four. So when when it's neutral situations, Miles Sanders gets the rock. They don't trust him because he has all these fumble concerns. He's kind of chaos in the pass game. But when the game's tight, Miles Sanders is the guy. So one of the leans that I have right now is to actually be lower on the Boston Scott stuff. And it looks really, really low right now. Yes. Just because like he's been balling out if you just look at the recent games. But he balls out in the fourth quarter with massive leads and particularly against the, the New York giants. Last time I checked, this is against the Kansas city chiefs. I brought my own numbers and they're probably eerily similar to yours, but rush attempt share among Eagles running backs was 79% for miles Sanders when Philly trailed or was winning by fewer than seven points. And then again, it fell to 61% when the Eagles were up by at least seven. And I, I think that's a perfect point that you make because in our head, we, you know, think about their games against the New York Giants and you see Boston Scott running to the end zone. It's because they dominated that yeah. game, right? Um, where are you at, though, with Jalen Hurts and his rushing and how that can potentially take away from someone like Miles Sanders, who, by the way, the Pickham projections, the risk team have him at 60 and a half rushing yards right now with Miles Sanders in comparison to Jalen Hurts, who's at 49 and a half rushing yards. So my projections, I have them on screen. You can find all these at Underdog Network. I have Jalen Hurts at 57 uh, rushing yards and then Miles Sanders at 58. So very close in particular. The one note I had with Jalen Hurts and why I think if I had a lean here, if I had to take one of the Jalen Hurts size, it would be on some of the hires just because he averages more yards on scrambles. That's 7.8 yards per carry on his scrambles. And then the designed quarterback runs at 3.7. 
Well, when you're trailing in games or when games are in neutral situations, you're going to be scrambling more. We see this across the NFL. So if this game stays tight, I think there's going to be some opportunities for him to kind of ditch out of the pocket and scramble around a little bit. And then in the fourth quarter, when they've been blowing some teams out, he doesn't get the rock as much. So I think that he has a chance to kind of scramble out of the pocket and get his yardage totals up. And then when they get down in the short, short area part of the field, third and twos inside the five-yard line, they'll still use them there. But I just think that there's probably – Give me one, two, three more times at like the 50-yard line that Jalen Hurts is going to scramble around here. Everyone knows Jalen Hurts has been dealing with a shoulder injury. I will throw out there, he has 18 design runs in two playoff games. Mm -hmm. He averaged 8.7 per game design runs for the regular season. So we're just slightly above that even after the injury. So that shows me that they're not afraid to run him now. Maybe the success of it is a bit different. He'll go down a bit easier. He won't fight for every single yard. Also, some of those design runs can also be quarterback sneaks for a, a gain of one yard. But what I absolutely love, and I'm sure we'll touch on it as we go along, is the Rivals tab, man. And you can see a whole bunch of Jalen Hurts with rushing yards with like Isaiah Pacheco. He's only receiving eight and a half yards in that department. Rushing attempts, he's getting one and a half rushing attempts in comparison to Isaiah Pacheco. You go further and further down this list, He's giving 29 and a half rushing yards to Jarek McKinnon. So these are a bunch of things. Again, I wouldn't just look at the singular projections for Jalen Hurts and always look into the rivals tab as well. Yeah, totally agree with that. I want to ask you one quick question. Just talking yep. about what should we expect? Like, let's just assume that this game is going to be relatively close. I, I would be pretty surprised if one team's up 14 versus the other at some points in this game. I think it's going to be a relatively close game in that game script. What do you think the Eagles are going to do on offense? Because I was kind of looking at what the Chiefs are good at on defense in basically every single metric, and it kind of just goes based off the eye test as well, is they're pretty neutral in kind of both phases. They're like okay against the run. They're okay against the pass. I think it's more or less just up to the Eagles on like what the hell they want to do. So like in the first half, and I know there's like some first quarter uh, stuff out there as well. Like do you think that the Eagles are going to kind of stay where they're like lean pass heavy, but there's some games where they come out like at elite level pass scripts. There's some other games yep. where they kind of dip below. Where do you think they're going to be? Yeah. If you even leave this up and I'll, I'll try to read some of these numbers, like against the Jacksonville Jaguars back in week four, you remember that was just awful weather, right? And mm -hmm. so they very much in the third quarter and on leaned into their running game. Um, the Green Bay Packers rush defense has been awful, right? And so you lean into the running game there. Uh, the people who watch the preview show know that I think the biggest advantage in this entire game period is mm -hmm. the Philadelphia offensive line versus Sheets defensive front. Not to say that they're bad on Kansas City's side and especially at linebacker, but those guys at linebacker and Willie Gay and Nick Bolton can be a bit chaotic. Yeah. And when you make Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner look out of position last week and move those pieces around too, I firmly believe we're going to see the backbone of the Eagles offense early on be the success in the inside zone and the mind meld that those front five blockers have. And I think it also goes to, we haven't seen Jalen be as great on these vertical shots on the outside. And so if that success is there early with Miles Sanders and Jalen hurts, why move off of it? Like we've seen them run, you know, in 12 plays, 10 carries. And I'd expect to see a good portion of that early on in this game, unless there's some easy one-on-one -on -one shots with a single high safety immediately for the Eagles to take. One thing we don't know yet is Legarius Sneed. He plays a little nickel corner, kind of goes inside Important. out. 
he's in the concussion protocol. We don't know if he is out. That would be three starting rookies uh, going up against AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, who's and look, on next nickel five defensive backs being out there. If the Eagles either condense that or spread everyone out and run in that formation, you are going to have to have your slot corner one-on-one and one-on-one and fill. And if he has concussion-like symptoms or hasn't practiced a lot and so on and so forth, that's a pivotal position, I think, when defending Mm -hmm. this Eagles team. I am in on just if we are game theorizing how I think this is going to play out, a lot of rushing totals for the Philadelphia Eagles side. Well, that's not good news. Through 11 minutes, you and I basically <laughs> disagree on the entire philosophy of how this game is going to go. Do you want right. to talk about the Chiefs rushing attack, or do you want to keep Let's going hit on A.J. Brown, just because okay. I think we can kind of figure out how the game is going to go a little bit. Um, so, like you said, the Jalen Hurts deep ball has just not been the same really at all and just since looking since that injury. And it's been three games. Um but it's like really hard to kind of pinpoint because it's just been like what four or five deep passes that have gone incomplete. Now they, they look really bad, but I went back and watched a couple of them and like AJ Brown kind of got held on one. Then one was like really bad. So it's just like, how do we kind of pinpoint which kind of Jalen hurts we're going to get here? Um, AJ Brown, though, he's coming off the basically the two worst games of the entire season at 0.96 and 1.1 yards per out run when Jalen hurts and AJ Brown have been, uh, healthy, that's all the way about 2.6. So I'm kind of splitting the difference. I'm, I have him projected for like 2.3 yards per out run. Um, and he actually has a little bit of positive uh, regression when it comes to some of these deep passes. His like uh, expected catch rate is actually a little bit lower than what it should be. He sh- should catch a, one or two more passes down the field. So I kind of like this kind of narrative where everyone's saying the deep ball is not going uh, complete right now. Well, if you just look at the models, like this is an elite player playing at like below expectation. Very rarely could you kind of profit off of that. So I actually kind of like some of the AJ Brown hires in this game just because the matchup and just because like it's very hard to find positive regression for AJ Brown, but there actually is some when it comes to like longest catches, deep passes, all that type of stuff. So I'll throw in a few here five and a half receptions, 72 and a half receiving yards of projections for AJ Brown. 64 and a half receiving yards, five receptions for Devontae Smith, five receptions, 48 and a half receiving yards for Dallas Goddard. Mm-hmm. Then you have someone like Quaz Watkins, who's, who's up there at uh, 12.5 receiving yards. Uh, any of those stand out to you? Yeah. So some of um, the, the the slips that I've been just looking at have had AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Hurts on the higher end. If you want to like chase uh, some of like make the game more exciting, this is kind of the angle that I like to take with it aj brown i have at 81 uh receiving yards which is probably what 10 yards above and same thing with devonta smith i have him at 73 yards just because going back to it if this game is if they're playing with more pace and the game's tight i think that they're going to pass the ball a little bit more and before the, those last couple of games got completely out of whack they kept tossing aj brown like screens and stuff like they were like he was on pace for a bunch of targets early on and then the games got so lopsided that if you i think if you're just kind of extrapolating like the last couple of games here you'd be kind of off pace like when this eagles offense is humming and they have to get the ball down the field it is quite often to aj brown so i actually like him i think if you want to get crazy with like mvp stuff i do think that aj brown is somebody that can be kind of in the like bucket of players that could win with like a big downfield catch this is for later, but with Quez Watkins, you know, he's had some games, some big ones, some not mm-hmm. on off splits are completely tied to Dallas Goddard. Correct. Without Dallas Goddard on the field, 
4.8 targets, 3.6 receptions, and a 75% catch rate. With Dallas Goddard on the field this game, two targets, one reception, and a 57.7% catch rate. Mm -hmm. And so if you see anything, I would say with the quantity of Quez Watkins in terms of receptions, I would take the lower on that. We know like against the Minnesota Vikings, he can still hit one vertical shot, and that might mm -hmm. ruin your overs, your, your hires for his receiving yards. But definitely with Quez Watkins is a name that I'm looking at with the lowers, with the unders, because um, I don't think, again, with Dallas Goddard being such a pivotal piece, you had the same look when it was Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra yep. and those guys out there. Remember we, when we had Dallas Goddard missing, we were to show the like expected fantasy points to tight ends and the Eagles immediately went from like first literally to yeah. dead last in yeah. how often they use it because they're not an, a tight end focused offense. They're a Dallas Goddard focused offense. Yep. So I actually kind of like some of the Dallas Goddard stuff. Screens, well, just, RPOs, yeah. all the stuff. They go he's he's going to be Goddard. the guy. And if you, if you're worried about some of the linebacker play kind of being chaotic, like you said, he is one of the players that could take advantage. And also he lines up in the slot. I think that he would see some Legereus need if he was out there. So if he is feeling some, some symptoms, that would be a Quez Watkins though. He is kind of like a vertical deep threat, yeah. deep threat and uh next gen stats has him actually dead last in yards after the catch over expected in the entire NFL. So he has like some positive regression. So this is kind of weird because he doesn't, he only plays in three wide receiver sets. You only run three wide receiver sets when you are trailing or the game's in neutral situation. So I think he's going to play more, but like you said, there's just no damn reason to throw him the no. ball, basically. So unless it's, I, I'm neutral you know, on him. Yeah, unless it's a shot play, like we saw them draw it up in, yeah. in previous points of the season. And Zach Pascal's, I believe, their fourth wide receiver, and he's purely a blocker. You know? Yeah, I don't think he's going to play basically at all. Um, anything else you want to say about the Philadelphia Eagles offense? I will we'll throw this out there. While we might disagree on the strength that the Eagles might lean on initially. I still believe if the Eagles are going to win this game, Jalen hurts has to hit on like two or three yeah. of those single high deep shots to Devonte mm -hmm. Smith and AJ Brown. Like we saw against the Washington commanders or that we saw against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He hasn't been doing that these last couple of games as we've talked about, but in order for them to win one will or else again, it's going to be a multiple per an extra person in the box. And that's more difficult to go up against. On that note, uh, just going back to the A.J. Brown positive regression on the deep targets, he's the one that sees more targets 30, 40 yards downfield. Devonta Smith kind of works like the intermediate parts of the field, like 20 yards downfield. But if they're looking for a real deep shot, historically this year, it has been to A.J. Brown. And I want to bring that up because, you know, A.J. Brown in some ways, he's always been great, but he's transformed his game in terms of the areas where he's won this year. You know, with Tennessee, it was a lot of intermediate and downfield over the middle Mm -hmm. This year, again, because of the coverages and single high looks that they've gotten, A.J. Brown has as many touchdowns outside the numbers mm -hmm. and 20-plus yards down the field than he yep. did in his previous you know, career in the NFL. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing how he's transformed yeah. that area. It's because he's just you know, so damn good. R real quick, speaking of really good, Devonta Smith, this doesn't really matter all that much, but out of his last 11 games, he's had at least seven or more targets in nine of them. So he's like completely stepped up here and he's he's as good as we thought he was as a prospect there's basically no concerns with the waiter any of that stuff he's just been uh basically matching uh aj brown in terms of targets and i that's why their gap has closed his i think he's going to be like a fourth round pick in next year's drafts like pretty oh. much i like got the very latest by the way a new tournament launches for 2023 our first one this friday we'll be doing a live stream 
mm-hmm. from Arizona. It will be myself. It'll be Hayden. It'll be Fantasy Flock. It'll be Peter Overzet. I'm sure a bunch of other people will be involved. So again, that tournament launches the evening on Friday. Go, deposit, play, draft with us. Be sure to tune into the live stream because I'm sure there'll be a bunch of immediately changing ADPs. And that's, I think, the most fun aspect of the entire thing is some are going to be way off. And I also want to throw out there that rookies are involved. That's the big key. Like Bijan Robinson, is he going to be a top 10 pick? I have him like right there in my rankings right now. Um, I've sorry. I have one last note for the Eagles. One last note. This is my show. This is the nerd this stuff. I get to take con- control here. Kenny Gainwell. Uh, 30% of his touches come on third down. Like Miles Sanders, that's only 7%. Kenny Gainwell is the guy that if all hell is broken loose and they're trailing or any of that stuff, he's going to be the one that's going to get all the playing time. They don't trust Miles Sanders on third downs or passing situations at all. In fact, Kenny Gainwell, this metric called passing situation targets, basically if you're trailing, it's the two minute warning, all the stuff where like, it's a very obvious passing situation. Kenny Gainwell has basically all of those targets Boston Scott basically sees near of zero of them. And Miles Sanders has literally yet to see a single passing situation target uh, when all three of backs have been out there. So if you are doing same game parlays or anything that you're out there doing uh, on the internet, I do think that if you are having some kind of a script where the chiefs are absolutely going to work, I think Kenny Gainwell is the one that's going to be on uh, for passing situations and Miles Sanders and Boston Scott at that point, would basically be removed from the offense. To your point, the Chiefs rank 32nd in receptions allowed to running backs, 31st in receiving yards allowed to running backs, and 28th in DVOA in terms of running back coverage. There's a reason. There is a reason. And I also think we can transform that a little bit to Dallas Goddard, but maybe that's my galaxy brain theory. Uh, To your point, let's look over in the Rivals tab. There is a plethora, a wealth of things to attack here. If we just look at receptions, Kenny Gainwell is only giving a half reception to Miles Sanders. So if you think things are going downhill for the Philadelphia Eagles in this game, that's almost a free square. Yeah, let me see what I have the projections for that. I have Miles Sanders 0.8 and I have Kenny Gainwell at 1.9. So I actually have this locked up too. The other portion of this is you can, and we talked about Quez Watkins already. It is tied for receptions with Kenny Gainwell and Quez Watkins in the rivals tab. Or if you want to go through receiving yards, Quez Watkins is giving two and a half receiving yards to Kenny Gainwell. Again, we talked about when Dallas Goddard plays, Quez Watkins basically does not. Mm -hmm. So if you think it's going to be bad, negative game script for the team, again, we talked about it. Positive game script, all the rushing and neutral game script goes to Miles Sanders if it's within seven points. If the Eagles are losing, Kenny Gainwell will be involved. It's almost the if-then statements that we're doing here, you know? But you have to, and I think that's what the the fun part about the Eagles is, like, these if-then statements, because they they have, like, very clear trends about when players are playing, and on the Chiefs' side, it's basically who the hell is actually playing. We have to figure that stuff out. One final question, Eagles. Goal line running back situation has been a complete mess. Boston Scott's been getting a lot of them in recent games, but they also happen to be late in the game when they've been winning. Miles Sanders gets some on occasion early on. When all of them are healthy and Jalen Hurts have been healthy, the inside the five-yard opportunities per game goes Jalen Hurts, 1.4, Miles Sanders, 0.8, Kenny Gainwell, 0.4, Boston Scott, yep. 0.4. Do you think it would be my, if like, because like one of the, the the big markets out there is first touchdown scored. Yeah. Let's say the Eagles get the ball first. They march downfield. It's at the three-yard line. 
which running back do you think is actually going to be there? I, I'm projecting it to be Miles Sanders, but I don't feel super confident. So this goes all the way back to training camp headlines. You remember when there was that one day that Kenny Gainwell is the team's red zone running back? Mm-hmm. I checked in with an Eagle source that okay. day. And, I feel like I know who it is. <laughs> and he said that, no, they just like all the running backs in that yeah. area. They like different packages for all of them. There is no mm-hmm. one. And your numbers just you know, played out in that same exact way. So I don't think that this is a scenario that – hey, we know inside of the five that blank running back Deontay Foreman is going to come into the game. You know, it's not that easy for us. So I don't think that there is an answer. Um, I think Jalen Hurts is a pretty good one because, you know, if you're getting to the one yard line, then it's going to be a push in. Yeah, I I have Jalen Hurts as the favorite for first touchdown, uh, followed by Travis Kelsey, then Miles Sanders, Isaiah Pacheco, and then you get into your receivers with A.J. Brown. All right, there's 23 minutes on the Eagles offensive game plan for the second time in the past week. Uh, Now let's do 23 minutes on the Chiefs offense, which is very different. Again, we just went from like superstar to superstar to great player to good player on the Eagles end. On the Chiefs, it's a bit different. One, because it's Travis Kelsey and everyone else catching passes. But also, Mm -hmm. everyone else are all injured. I think you have to start there too. Yeah. Yeah, and work your way back. Take, take it away from, from there, and I, I will throw out the news nugget that Mikkel Harbin is on injured reserve, and Clyde mm-hmm. Odzulaire has been activated from injured reserve. Well, let's start there. Uh, I assumed that Mikkel Harbin was out when I did my projections, and for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I just am basically inserting him into the Ronald Jones quote role, which means like two snaps. I don't think they're going to play Clyde Edwards-Hilaire now. I think there's like some chance that they will, but I'm for the most part just keeping the Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon kind of roles like as as is and not basically pretending that the Clyde Edwards Hilaire stuff is irrelevant um for the rest of them I'm projecting Kadarius Tony to be in and Juju Smith-Schuster to be in we have to start with Juju um because when Juju has been healthy in the playoffs he is on the field and I think that's kind of my angle here and he's actually one of my favorite players in this game from uh if you're going to be wagering on this uh, Juju before his injury last week, he ran around an 18 of 22 dropbacks. That's 82% in the divisional round against the Jaguars. He was up at 88% in the regular season. It was not that high. He's actually been playing more. And the only time he was actually subbed out before he uh, was injured was in what one wide receiver sets. That's when Justin Watson came out and came in, in the divisional round, uh, in last week's game, he was being subbed out in one wide receiver sets for both. MVS and Kadarius Tony kind of d- depended on the on the play design. But if Juju is going to be out there for, let's say, I have him projected for 77% of the routes, so let's, let's uh, factor in a little bit of injury risk here. Man, he projects pretty well. Like it, it, 80% route rate, and he's going to be playing on the inside where the matchup's a little bit softer. I have him projected for like 50 yards, and I think a lot of the markets right now only have it at 35 and a half so either there's injury news that's out there that i'm not completely accounting for or people are looking at the recency bias against juju smith if you look back at like early parts of the year he was getting the ball a lot it's kind of tailed off recently but that playing time kind of leads me into the direction of being in on juju and his role is somewhat different than it was with the pittsburgh steelers like he's not purely a slot player now oh no yeah no yeah when they go two wide receiver sets he's obviously on the outside it's not just three wide receiver sets all the time uh if you're on the underdog risk team and you're watching this program eliminate it from your desktop because i just found my favorite rivals 
projection Hit of me. all time. Juju Smith-Schuster is only giving Noah Gray 22 and a half receiving yards. Yeah. Noah Gray he, might have one catch in this game. Yeah, easily. I, I can see that happen. He he's he doesn't play as often with Joe, Joe Fortson in the lineup. I have... Let's and see, Blake Noah Bell's Gray. back too, you know? Yeah. I have Noah Gray at that 12 receiving yards, and I have... Uh, Juju at 52 currently. So I think I think just basically everyone is assuming that Juju's not right. And maybe I can be wrong. Maybe we'll get some information on Wednesday, but I expect him to be out there now, in practicing. There's a few different layers to this. Maybe you want to go on over to the other wide receivers because we have seen big games of the MVS lately. I think part of the big game for MVS in this last game was that everyone else departed and Justin Watson yes. wasn't active, you know? Yeah. I also wouldn't have been shocked if Kadarius Tony, if healthy, would have been like a featured player this past mm-hmm. week as well. Um, I also want to bring up that I believe Kadarius Tony will have to be a featured player in this game as long as his ankle is 90% because I just did an entire episode on all of the success that the Chiefs have had in the red zone this season. Historically amazing. Historically oh, yeah. amazing with Josh McCown. And so much of their success there is built on the misdirection, the motion, all of it. And the lateral speed that Michael Hardman and Kadarius Tony give you are really well utilized by Andy Reid. And mm-hmm. if both of those players are gone, because we know one of them is gone in Michael Hardman, I have no idea how that's going to impact everything and who's going to play that role. But if Tony yep. is out there, he is the one that's going to move this man to this side, this man to this side, be the misdirection. But at the end of the day, can also be the guy who's wide ass open because they force everyone to move in the opposite direction. So I'm with you. I think Kadarius, Tony, McCool Hardman, and Sky Moore kind of play somewhat of the similar role here. And I think the pecking order was clearly Kadarius, then McCool, and then Sky Moore. Sky Moore hasn't broken a tackle basically all year. Um, so they, they've tried. It just hasn't worked out. Kadarius, Tony, 30% routes in the divisional game. Before he got hurt, uh, he was out there for three of the first seven dropbacks, which is only 43%. Obviously, that's a very small sample. He's their best make you miss guy. You got to get him the rock, you know, and they just traded for him. So um, it just kind of comes down to health. I kind of have it split down the middle here um, because I, I just don't know what to think about his injury. This is like a, a new ankle injury, kind of unsure about him, but um, I have him as slightly on the higher than what the pick projections are. Uh, I kind of just added up all the pick projections like in, in the underdog lobby and they didn't add up to how many passing yards Patrick Mahomes projected for. It's like a pretty wide gap. So somebody's under projected. And I right. think that I like it's it to know in this with, offense. I think I like it with Juju the most. Got and it. then I think Justin Watson actually is kind of interesting, but uh, real quick on the MVS, just because you brought it up um, in uh, the divisional round, he ran around on 68% of the dropbacks before Juju's injury last week, 59%. He was not a full-time player. After uh, Juju left, then he became a full-time player. Then he really started to pop off. Um, I have him projected for only 68% of, of the routes. Um, some of them are going to be happening against, obviously, Darius Slay and James Bradbury. It's not the perfect matchup on the perimeter. But I think that if people are looking at last week's numbers, I think they'll be let down by MVS because Justin Watson was a DNP before the last game with an illness. I think at one point I said he was a healthy scratch. I don't think he was a healthy scratch. I think he was like too ill to play. And I think he's going to play. And uh, before Justin Watson was that uh, missed that last game, he was basically running the same amount of routes as MVS. And they use, uh, but Justin players Watson can earn more playing time when they play well. I mean, MVS has I, played well. 
I agree. So I have it kind of in between where it was in the regular season and then where it was last week for my projections. Um, but if you're kind of like just kind of trying to extrapolate last week's stuff, I just don't think he's going to have the same amount of playing time. In the pick and lobby, just straight up, Juju's at 35 and a half receiving yards, higher or lower. Kadarius is at 22 and a half. MVS is at 37 and a half. And you have Noah Gray at 13 and a half. And then obviously the sun that everything else revolves around, Travis Kelsey at 78 and a half receiving yards, a half receiving touchdown, which the mind meld that he and Patrick Mahomes have in that area is unlike anything else, just writing yeah. it open at all times, and seven and a half receptions. On that do side. you do you have any concerns with Travis Kelsey's matchup? Just looking at this uh, tight ends who've lined up in the slaughter out wide against Philly have averaged only six point one yards. Yeah, per but no target. one's Travis Yeah, they're no no nothing like Travis Kelsey. I have my projections pretty similar to kind of what's in the lobby. Uh, but in thirteen games uh, in the playoffs with Patrick Mahomes, he's averaging ninety yards and over a touchdown. Uh, and those are better than like even this regular season number. So like, I think there's something to that, obviously. To rewind this a little bit, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line is very good, you know, mm -hmm. and we'll get into the running backs in a little bit, but they've had some rushing success with one player in particular as of late. But this is the Super Bowl, you know, this is the MVP of the league and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I expect them to put the ball in his hands at a ludicrous rate in this I game agree. and say, hey, go and win it. We have his projections at 25 and a half completions, you know, on 39 passing attempts, 292 and a half passing yards. That seems to be in the little bit in the low end, I feel like. If I had to take a Patrick Mahomes side, it would be on the higher. I have him at 27 completions, 297 passing yards, and almost two touchdowns here. So obviously, I, th I think a lot of it is just going to depend on how uh, well Travis Kelsey is doing. I think that both the back and the ankle. I know I'm not, I haven't really made any adjustments for their injuries with two weeks off. And they played so well last week that I think I'm just ready to roll with both of them. Running backs time because we've had some big Jarek McKinnon weeks, uh, but those have almost evaporated. I'll throw a number at you, Hayden. Hit since, me. Week 15, since week 15, Jarek McKinnon has done nothing as a rusher. Okay. He's carried the ball 24 times for 43 yards with a long carry of seven, okay? That's 1.8 yards per carry over That's that tough. span since week 15. You might say, well, it's been tough defenses. In that same span of time, Isaiah Pacheco's averaged 5.2 yards per carry. So rivals, straight up, whatever. I'm not going to say it's even between the two, but I think it should be leaning in a much further direction for Isaiah Pacheco in terms of a pure runner. In the first half of game since week 10, Pacheco's had 47 touches uh, and Jarek McKinnon 17 in the first quarter. Uh, that's a pretty wide gap. And in the second half, it tightens up. But I think Jarek McKinnon's been getting, been getting some playing time late in the game. And I'm not sure if that's going to exist this time because of playing time reasons, because of some of these trends as well. So I think for the rivals tag, looking at some Pacheco versus McKinnon stuff could be definitely interesting. The one thing I'm trying to debate with my projections here is last week, Jarek McKinnon kind of had a little bit of a mini setback in the, the third quarter with his ankle. And that's why Isaiah Pacheco, I think he ran a route on 50% of dropbacks. Uh, Jarek McKinnon dropped down to 33%. Is that gap going to stay that wide? Because it's, it's been in the inverse where McKinnon was running more routes. Is Jarek McKinnon hurt? Is Isaiah Pacheco earning more work? I kind of have the the difference split 
in my projections. And w- one of them that kind of led me to being a little bit lower on the Jarek McKinnon receiving numbers. I think it's kind of opened up at like 22 ish receiving yards. I think that should be kind of closer to like 17, something like that. Could you talk to me a little bit about the receiving yardage between the two? Because yeah. while we view Jarek McKinnon as a role player, as a pass catcher, we've seen as a season has gone along once CEH went down that the Chiefs have been incredibly comfortable getting Isaiah Pacheco involved, like calling swing passes for him, calling screen yeah. passes for him. And I believe we have him at just 14 and a half receiving yards. Let me pull that up just to make sure. Uh, 15 and a half receiving yards. It is now as it's higher or lower. I like the higher end of that. Uh, yeah, I have the Pacheco slightly higher and then the Jarek McKinnon definitely on the lower side. I have McKinnon's uh, receiving yards at 17 and a half. And that's kind of factoring in that Pacheco deserves a couple more spots. Anything else you want to say of these teams? Yes. Um, two last notes. Justin Watson, and this kind of goes back to the healthy scratch versus illness thing. I think Justin Watson's going to play more than people want him to. That's been the case the entire year. He's not good. Nobody thinks he's good, but we have all these narratives around him that he can't do anything. Uh, one of the numbers I was looking at is just kind of downfield catch rate. These are 15 yards or further downfield. Justin Watson is a definitely a positive regression candidate. He's only caught 35% of them. The league average is closer to like 48%. I don't think that Justin Watson is like light light years below a below average player in the NFL, especially with Patrick Mahomes. So if you can find some Justin Watson longest receptions, we'll see what his numbers look like once we have them in the uh, lobby. But if there's any concerns with Juju's health, with Kadarius's health, if Sky Moore doesn't look right either, this guy's going to be out on the field. And I know he's done nothing, but everyone assumes he's doing nothing. And guess what? Sometimes these type of players get overlooked. So I, I think one of the things that's going to make me either happy or really pissed on Super Bowl Sunday is if Justin Watson catches a pass, I don't know, 15, 18 yards downfield. Do you remember the player I zeroed in on last year for the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Bengals? Like Van Jefferson? No, or? it was Sony Michelle. I couldn't get over like this Sony Michelle, like six and a half rushing yards. Yes. I kind of get that Sony Michelle energy from you right now with Justin Watson. <laughs> I've made I I I visited the pick and lobby uh, and I'm I'm keep refreshing to hope that they can add some Justin Watson stuff. The 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 my Sony Michelle though, ready for this, Jake yeah. Elliott. Go to go open the pick and lobby. Yep. Jake Elliott, the Eagles kicker. The Eagles don't kick the ball. They scored a bunch of points this year. They were 34th or 31st in field goals. Uh he's only gone uh higher uh over 1.5 field goals in five of these 18 games. And we talked about in the last show in fourth downs, there's not third a team, downs. third downs. They are setting up to go for it. And these are against the giants in some bad teams. You want to talk about the worst strength of the schedule in the Super Bowl era for like the last two decades. That's the Eagles. They are still going for it. Do you think that they're going to look across the sideline, look at pa- Patrick Mahomes and say like, yeah, let's settle for the field goal. Right. I think that this should be closer to just 1.0. He's gone lower than this most of the time already. And I just don't think that Sirianni, if you go listen to uh, Howie, when he does his interviews, Joe Banner does some interviews. That's the old president. This entire front office is all about be aggressive, be aggressive, be aggressive. That's why we talked about the short yardage stuff for so long. The last show, 
they are not kicking field goals. This is going to have to be a fourth and 16 situation for them to do it. And then he could also, you know, just finkle it to the left here. It, this is my favorite one. It'll have to be, you know, six seconds left on the four on the 35 yard line right before halftime. Mm-hmm. And yep. then to win it at the end of the game, you know, if that happens. It happens. If, yeah. if that happens, it happens, but you're right. They play third and seven to get to fourth and two, right? They don't have to go beyond the sticks. This team is yep. hyper aggressive. And truly, in this scenario, if you're not first, if you don't win this game, you're last. It's that simple. Go okay. Home. I'm going to fill in my slip. I'm going to take that copy, put it into the chat, and also put it in the top comment down below if you want to tell mm-hmm. me. This is what it's going to be. One, again, the free square that you're going to get on Thursday. It's the higher on the Jalen Hurts total yards at 0.5. All right. That's a site-wide special for first-time depositors. If you are, welcome. Use promo code the show. We'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So there's the first one. Next, Isaiah Pacheco, higher, 15 and a half receiving yards. Jake Elliott, lower, one and a half field goals made. Kenneth Gainwell just needs to get one more reception than Miles Sanders and Judas Mususer just needs to get 22 and a half more receiving yards. Than Noah Gray. I'm with you on this one. This is this is this is a solid one right here. I think my favorites. I definitely like the Juju hires. I like the the Jake Elliott lowers right here, and then some like the fringe players like a Boston Scott. I like him on the lower side of this. Um, it's not an underdog thing, but one other thing I'm looking at is kind of the exact scores because going off of this, just Eagles Galaxy brain, they're going to be I think super weird. And I think all of the historical data is not capturing the decision-making that the Eagles have on their aggressiveness. Two-point conversions, like, they're up, like, by multiple touchdowns, and then they'll go in there, and they're going to try to draw the Chiefs offside, and they're going to go for it. They might be in a situation, like, you see, like, all the, the PFF bros, whenever they're down 10 points and they score a touchdown, and then you see 18 tweets saying, you should be going for two and all that stuff. Well, guess what? 31 teams don't give a shit about it. The Eagles are the one team that does. So, like, if you can find scores like a 25 or a 22 where it requires either going for two or some weirdness in scores, I like kind of those numbers because it's really hard to kind of model out looking at historical data or NFL league-wide data and kind of picture what this front office, this coaching staff, especially with their success on the ground. So anything that you think would require going for two, going for it on fourth down, I think there's a chance where we get – uh, on to Monday and thank God I'll be in Australia where they go for two and it doesn't work out or they go for it on fourth down and get stuffed. And then ESPN and all the, like the talking heads just go on and on about analytics is ruining the sport. I think we could be in line for one of these type of ball games with the Eagles. Well, fourth down as well. I think on the chiefs, I'll be at, they'll do it in very different ways. You know, they don't put Patrick Mahomes under center and push him, but they'll go for mm-hmm. it. Like there's that fourth and one that we saw against the Cincinnati Bengals and rather take, the whip route with Juice Misuse at the first down line. Again, he throws an 18-yard touchdown to yep. Travis Kelsey. So I think you will see a lot of fourth down aggressiveness. And I think you'll just see a lot of longer drives as well. Again, we talked about the rushing success I believe the Eagles are going to have. And the Chiefs now have moved away from you know these big explosive play touchdowns. The 64 touchdowns they scored in offense this year, 55 of them were inside of the red zone. Just nutso stuff. Nutso yep. stuff. So we're going to see 8, 9, 10, 12, 13 play drives. I truly believe. Okay, a couple more pick and projections that I really like. If you didn't like that 
Gainwell giving Miles Sanders a half reception. Again, his with Quez Watkins is straight up. Uh, Kadarius Tony's only giving 10 and a half receiving yards to Quez Watkins as well. Um, Dallas Goddard giving Noah, Bra- Noah Gray 35 and a half receiving yards. You're, you're number one Noah Grader hater. <laughs> Look, now they have four tight ends out there. Yeah. It's not just three. So yeah. they run a bunch of three tight end sets, especially in comparison to previous years. But you put out Jody Fortson there. There's been times where they line him up as an ex-isolated wide receiver and throw yep. him the ball. You know, yep. I think Noah Gray's stuff will come either seven yards down the field or is like a tight end screen. And that's the outcome yes. you're going to get. I, I agree. By the way, you talk about three tight end sets, getting my Justin Watson things going. Three tight end sets. What does that mean? One wide receiver on the field. If you're looking at really deep odds for first touchdown scored or anything like that, Justin Watson could be somebody that could be in the red zone using his size. So uh, I, I'm here for for the Justin Watson stuff. You just want to play this right down the middle. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you can catch him at like plus 140 to win MVP. I certainly like that. Um, I think this, this game's going to be pretty tight. So basically everything in my column that we talked about is assuming this game's going to be close. And for the Eagles side, this is something they have not been a part of very often this season because they've been stomping teams. That's a credit to them. But if you're looking at any of their playing time metrics, you have to account for garbage time versus neutral situations because I think that's that's going to be an overlooked angle. Then obviously with Nick Sirianni, he's going to be super aggressive. So those are my two type of things. I, obviously, I know Victor Justin Watson is not scoring. That's why they hang ludicrous numbers out there. That's going to do it for us. As always, go and play on Underdog Fantasy. We'll have new drafts. The first tournament for 2023. I will add that tournament has, I believe, the same pay structure or the same prize pool as the initial best ball mania. A million dollars. Just crazy. The first tournament of 2023 equals the biggest tournament of 2021, of 2020, if my math is correct on that, which is uh, crazy stuff. Best part about this is I, I'm about to post a prospect video on the, on the channel. Uh, you and other Josh have been going over prospects. If you think that you have better prospect takes than us, guess what? This is the time to do it. You can project where players are going to go. Like you have to have a Zach Charbonnet uh, take Made up this player. week. He went to fake, UCLA. Fake name. Uh, okay. Rookies are included, as Hayden is trying to say. That makes it even more fun. Go and check out the X's and O's breakdown that we have. Also, the scheme episode of the Andy Reid's sorcery inside of the red zone. That's a great one. And we'll have plenty of content on socials, some on the channel as well this week. So be on the lookout for Underdog Fantasy in Arizona. For Hayden, I am Josh. Up the villa, everyone. We'll talk to you all soon. See you.